You don't have to spend a lot of money. That's the that's the thing. I mean, like if you're starting out, I would recommend, in fact, not spending a lot of money because um, there's there's so many there's so many things out there that um, will end up distracting you from your message. You know, because if you buy new gear, you're gonna have to learn how to use it, and it might be you know complicated because that's that's kind of the rule of thumb. Like the more professional the equipment, the more complicated it is, and you don't need that when you're first starting out. You just you just need to concentrate on your message. It is why with Great Rabbits Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. This week we've got Scott Markowitz on, and he's going to be talking video with us. You can check out the show notes at Scott M. That's uh, creativehabitspodcast.com slash Scott M. And there you'll see the show notes. Also, a great guide uh, written by Scott. It's the guide to being comfortable on camera. Uh, we talk about it a little bit, uh, but there's much more in the guide than we mention in the podcast episode itself. So check it out. CreativeHabitsPodcast.com slash Scott M. Enjoy the show. All right, there's Why with the Creative Habits Podcast, and today we've got Scott Markowitz on. Scott, how you doing this morning? Hey, I'm doing great, Wyatt. Thank you so much for having me on the show. This is awesome. Hey, thanks for coming on. And and Scott, for those people who don't know you, uh, can you give us a little backstory on, on what you've been up to? Sure. So um, for a long time, I've been uh, in the film and TV industry for uh, over 20 years. And for a very long time, I was what you would call a session editor, uh, which means I worked for a service bureau that catered specifically to um, film production companies and to advertising agencies and and like high end PR firms. And uh, I, as a session editor, it's kind of a it's a unique position. You're basically uh, doing like the very high end editorial, uh, visual effects, and finishing for TV commercials for film things like that. And I had done that for uh, nearly 20 years. And uh, I was what you would call a career man. You know, I took it very seriously. And that job demands an awful lot of people. Uh, when you're a session editor, you know, you, you rarely have, you know, a normal day. I mean, you're typically like in your seat 10 to 14, sometimes, you know, up to 20 hours a day. And um, I identify very strongly with that position because, you know, I was like at the top of my game. I worked for uh, Alchemy X, which is one of the biggest uh, integrated media companies in the entire nation um, in Philadelphia. And, you know, I was one of their top guys. But um, uh, about four or five years ago, my, my uh, parents passed away, you know, and I, I kind of missed the whole episode of what happened to them and, and like their the decline of their health and everything. And I kind of like had this moment of clarity where I was like, what am I doing? Like, you know, uh, when it's my time to go, nobody's going to care that I was like a fantastic editor. They're going to, you know, they're going to care if I was a great father or if I was a great husband. So I kind of had this, uh, epiphany and, and I set out to redefine what my life was about. And, uh, you know, currently I'm living down in North Carolina. I'm in the Raleigh triangle area. And uh, I'm the director of post-production for a very small agency called Contrast Creative, and I love it there because they totally um, uh, appreciate and, and mandate that, that life balance that is so important and that is so easily lost in, in some of our corporate lives today. And you know, now I'm trying to help other people who perhaps are in that situation that I was in four or five years ago. Uh, you know, trying to escape the corporate life, trying to, to find that balance. 
And um, I've started a little movement that I call the Video Crush, where um, you know I, I try to help people understand how they can leverage uh, video skills to to further their life enjoyment, their happiness, and maybe their business. And um, the philosophy that I live by today is uh, summarized in three simple words: uh, live, edit, and grow. So, real quick, let me just go through that. Live means you know you got to experience life. You've got to uh, be part of the experience and the experiences of those around you and those that you care for. Uh, edit means be conscientious of what it is that you're putting out in the world. You know, as a as a TV and film editor, you're very careful about the arrangement and you know the correspondence between words, between scenes, between you know maybe episodes or or films. Um, but in our lives, sometimes we forget to really be conscientious and and have that clarity of message that we put out. So uh, when you edit yourself and you edit your own life, uh, you can kind of take control of what it is that, that you're putting out and further enriching the lives of those around you and yourself. It, it will make you happier if you can kind of you know, pre-edit things and situations. For example, if, you know, you're, you're, um, prone to being angry at certain situations, you can kind of pre-edit a scene in which you would get angry and say, you know what, let me try reacting a little bit differently next time. And then when you, when you pre-edit that in your head, then when the situation actually arises in real life, you can act on it differently than you normally would, or you used to. Um, and then grow. When, when you combine those two other things, then you're going to grow as a person and uh, you're going to, to find different avenues of achievement and different uh, avenues of happiness. So that's, nice. that's me in a nutshell, Wyatt. Yeah, that's a good combo. I, I really like that. Uh, and it's, it's uh, always something to continue practicing, I imagine. But, I, you know, the, I, you escaped. And I'm wondering just if you had real quick, quickly some core ideas um you know one or two uh for those who are maybe considering their escape uh one or two things you found essential um uh, you know to making that transition okay yeah that's a great question um if you find yourself in a situation where you're just dying every time you walk into your office door uh the first thing you really need to consider is your financial pathway. You know, you, you need to start saving up some money to, to create yourself a cushion, you know, and, uh, <laughs> uh I kind of learned this the hard way. Like the, when you ask other financial ex- experts, this question, they'll say, yeah, you need, you need about three months, you know, of income. Um, if you're going to make like some kind of life change like that and just have that at the ready. And, um, my advice from my experience is that, um, that would work if everything went perfectly, you know, three months salary is like enough cushion if everything goes smooth, but try to bank on at least six months of saved income. Um, because things probably aren't going to go as planned. And that certainly was the case for me. And in in fact, for me, I really would have been better off if I had 12 months of saved income. Um, I, I hit some rough times financially because I just didn't have enough money saved up, and uh, it, that led to, you know, some some 
bad decisions because I, I was strapped for money. And when you're strapped for money, nothing good's going to happen. So that's like the number one thing I would say is like, if you really are serious about an escape, then get serious about saving up some money. Um, and then the second thing I would like recommend is try to get really clear about what it is you stand for, because that will help, uh, you know, steer, steer your boat in the right direction and maybe avoid some of those pitfalls that will cause you to dip into that excess, uh, you know, savings. So, um, and this is straight out of, out of my storybook as well, because like when I, when I first made the leap out of corporate, I decided I was going to start my own production company. And, um, it seemed like a really great idea because that's like the world I came from. I understood you know, TV and film production, I understood, uh, the technical side and I understood, you know, how to do the, uh, editing on the tail end of the projects and things like that. But, um, I didn't have like a clear focus of what I stood for. You know, I, I, I knew that I just wanted to change my life and, and that was the basis at which I approached, you know, my new business and that wasn't enough. So my advice is like to really dig in and try to see, um, you know, within yourself, what is it that really revs you up? What is it that you really want to do uh, in, in terms of making some kind of impact with other people? You know, like, do you stand for, um, do you stand for orphans in Africa? Do you stand for, um, you know, the, the underprivileged in the inner city? Do you, what do you stand for? You know, for me, it's, I, you know, I'm, I stand for, um, you know, people who have a message inside them, who are struggling to get them out. And, and, um, you know, I want to be an advocate for those people and I want to be a conduit for those people to be able to, to help them, uh, get their message out where it can do some good. Right. Right. That, that's good. Cause you know, if you, if you have that core and you know it, you'll be less apt to go in multiple different directions. And since you have that only only so much time, let's say you've you've saved up, then you want to be able to go in a certain direction uh, confidently rather than you know uh, spelling in, in multiple different directions. You know the new um, shiny object syndrome sort of in there at the. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that's really cool. Thank you. Uh, so now one of the things I, I really like is your your guide to being comfortable on camera. And since, you know, we'll be talking about video a lot because uh, that's your expertise. I, I was one of the really cool points that I, I, I found in that was, um, you know, taking your camera and, and really, you know, talking to it as if it's your best friend, you know, and, and exactly it, because it's that inanimate object. And you don't necessarily feel much of anything if you're talking to uh, just the camera. So can you delve a little bit into that? Because I think that guide to be comfortable on camera is just spot on to so many people just needing, uh, myself included, <laughs> just needing <laughs> that that little uh, bit of guidance to help them uh, get past it so they can, you know, delve into video uh, a lot more than they, maybe they have been. Yeah, and let me preface this like real quick just by saying that um, you know, starting my own website and and my own podcast, I kind of uh came to this vivid realization that all of a sudden I'm on the other side of the camera. You know, for 20 years I'm an editor and I'm I'm always editing other people's performances and and um I had never 
in 20 years really spent much time in front of a camera. So like when I started doing my own promos and things like that, all of a sudden I, I felt like this intimidation that I did not expect. And then um, because of who I am, I just immediately started questioning, well, why is that? Why? Like I understand this process from from top to tail. Like why am I feeling uncomfortable in front of the camera? And then I started kind of doing some research. And it turns out that um, it's just like it's it's basic uh, mental conditioning. You know, if you think about when you were a toddler and you were first learning to speak, um, you know, perhaps your your mom or your dad would introduce you to one of their friends, and they would say, you know, hey Wyatt, say something. You know, um, what did you have for breakfast this morning or whatever? And as as baby Wyatt, you were intimidated by by talking in front of somebody, and it. It was a it was a skill that you had to learn and you had to build up to just talking to other people. Um, you know, certainly I remember I was a very shy child myself, and um, it's funny now because like I have absolutely no problem you know meeting new people and talking to them um, and and breaking the ice. And but when I think back, I was like really shy and bashful as a child, and so the um, the the research kind of shows that like it's a, it's a conditioning thing, you know, like we are completely uncomfortable with the very specific situation of having a lens pointing at us and like seeing that red light blinking, you know, indicating that it's recording and everything. And all of a sudden our mind is like, Hey, I've never done this before. What's going on. And it just kind of recalls those, those same, you know, feelings that you would have as a child and put into an uncomfortable position, right? So it's just, it's just a matter of getting yourself comfortable and it's, it's doing some exercises, you know, and, and like part of it, I think is very uh, much just understanding the process that's going on in your head. You know, like a lot of people will, will turn on the camera, they'll maybe, you know, record a quick little uh, message to the camera and then they'll play it back and they're like, oh, that's terrible. And they're, they're reacting to things that, um, that they're just not used to, Wyatt. You know, for example, the, uh, the majority of people, the vast majority of people will listen to their voice and be like, oh, I sound terrible. Um, and the reason you, you have that reaction is, is not because you sound terrible. I mean, if you think about it, you talk to other people all the time, and how many times have they complained about the quality of your voice, right? Like, never. So it's not that you sound terrible. It's that you don't sound like what you're used to hearing, because the bone structure in your skull um, will kind of alter the audio that comes out of your mouth. So, like you know, the the, the your skull and and the bones in your head uh, kind of tweak the audio before it gets to your inner ear, where your you know auditory nerves pick it up and and uh, and interpret that sound as spoken word. So, like the voice on the camcorder or your you know iPad or whatever that you're using to record to record or whatever that you're using to record that audio sounds very different from what you're used to and you just have this basal negative reaction to it it's wrong it doesn't sound right uh and the same thing with when you look at yourself on camera uh it's a it's it's not what you're used to seeing because you look at yourself in a mirror which is a flipped image it's a it's a you know uh you were you when you look at the mirror, the image is actually reverse from what everybody else sees when they look at you. So when you look at yourself on camera, you're looking at a 
uh, you know, the correct image as opposed to a mirror flipped image. And you have this basic reaction of, oh, that doesn't look right. Something's wrong. I hate this. I'm never going to do this again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, you, so that's the technical side of it. And it's you, when you realize that you, you can uh, take out some of the discomfort and then that whole best friend part, you know, that that's a really good tool to use. Even when you're not, you know, uh, doing the camera, but you're uh, actually trying to figure out uh, how to, um, you know, tell your story, your backstory, or um, how to, you know, uh, write something out um, is is just describing it to somebody you already know or describing it and let's say you're a coach uh, sitting down and pretending like you're talking to that person you're coaching so it, it comes the things that you say come across a lot more naturally when you're in that situation than when you're in front of the camera so if you just uh you know make that switch uh you know put a picture or whatever like say in the in the guide um it really helps a lot so i yeah that's uh it's pretty cool now we'll have of course that guide in the in the show notes for people who are interested um which is really really got some good uh things uh in there for for people uh, to um use you know right off the bat um so I'm wondering uh, also for, for those that – because a lot of people, you know, when they want to get in front of the camera and, and start doing video, um, they're going to be on a budget. And you, they'll probably just be using their iPhone and, and, uh, and getting used to video. And, and the iPhone works, works great, right? But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, but what's, what's one thing – you know, besides let's say they have their iPhone, what's one thing they should spend money on definitely to – to ensure the video quality is is good well okay great question there's uh i don't know if i can answer the one thing because i think there's really two things okay you need you need some lights and it doesn't have to be expensive lighting you don't have to spend a fortune on like a studio light kit i mean you can just go to lowe's or home depot and get a couple of uh you know uh clip-on lights and and buy yourself um, a couple of led uh, light bulbs, um, as long as they match, that's the kind of the key is like, if you're going to do your own light kit, you just want to make sure that all the light bulbs match in terms of the exact same make and model. Um, because you don't want to be mixing, uh, there's, there's subtle differences in the, uh, what's called light temperature. Um, and that's, uh, basically, you know, like, uh, uh, you can think of that as like midday sun, versus um like sunset light you know it's it's much cooler at midday they they would you know uh, experts would refer to this as cool light when the sun is high in the sky and uh, when it's low uh that's warm light you know it's it's uh you know you can think of uh when you're looking at somebody at sunset you know they have like orange tones and and the you know the the uh, landscape around you has got orange you know, uh, highlights and, and midtones and things like that. And whereas midday, it's, it's very uh, bright and cool blue color. So, um, uh, when you're buying lights, even if you're just getting LEDs from, from the hardware store, make sure it's the same make and model that will help ensure that the light is, uh, an even color balance when it's being cast on you. Um, of course, if, if you're serious about it, you can definitely get, you know, some studio lights that's going to be a little bit better. It's going to be a little bit softer light. Um, uh, the rule of thumb is, you know, if you're going to uh, use a light source, try to make it a soft light source. So um, studio lights will come that way automatically because they come in that big. You've probably seen them. Um, you know, it's like a what's called a soft box. It's like a it's like a 
um, there's a light fixture and then there's a, uh, a housing of, of some kind of dark, heavy material. And then there's a, a very uh, diffuse white front face to it through which the light shines and that softens the light and it kind of helps minimize harsh shadows. So if you are using the, uh, the home method of going to Home Depot and Lowe's to buy your light, um, you want to, you might just want to put some uh, vellum paper in front of the light and just like, you know, using a, a clothespin to clip it onto the light fixture that'll help soften the light and uh, it'll, it'll effectively, you know, emulate a professional light kit. So uh, that's nice. the first, that's, that's the first tip there. And then the second thing that you really want to make sure you get right is good quality audio. Um, because if, if you have, um, if you're using audio, uh, you know, that, that doesn't sound very good, that's hard to hear and maybe it's crackly or noisy, uh, that's going to immediately turn people off and no one's going to watch the video, no matter what you have to say. Um, so that might be the, like the most critical thing actually is like having some kind of decent audio. And what I like to tell people if they're just starting out is, uh, like maybe buy like a used, uh, iPhone on like eBay or, you know, like, uh, you know, some electronic stores actually sell, you know, older models and things like that. And you can get them fairly cheap nowadays. Um, like I, I'm using an iPhone four, uh, when I go out and I just, uh, I have, I use it not as a phone, but just as a, as a voice recorder. And, um, there's, uh, there's a variety of different microphones that you can buy that are very inexpensive that you can plug right into like an older model iPhone and then, um, you know, use the built-in recording apps, uh, to, to record the voice. And then you can kind of marry those two together, uh, when you're doing your editing, you take the audio from that used iPhone and then the video from your other, you know, phone, maybe your new phone or whatever video camera that you're using, and then you put them together, and um, that is like that's going to make a huge difference in the quality of your video. Just just those two things. Yeah, the and the audio. I tell you, it's uh, I've done some different um, uh, setups, and uh, you know, seeing the quality between, let's say, you have your camera audio, and then you take a lavalier mic and you have that and it's the contrast is so stark that once you once you hear that it's you know it's you're sold on on uh quality audio right off the bat um and you know it, it's inexpensive um even to get those little lavalier i've seen them for like you know 18 bucks on amazon yeah and they yeah, they work great you know they're not wireless so you do have to hassle with things a little bit because it's not wireless but i tell you if if you're just starting out, it's it's wow, it works really well. So um, yeah, exactly. So, you don't have to spend a lot of money. That's the that's the thing. I mean, like if you're starting out, I would recommend, in fact, not spending a lot of money because um, there's there's so many there's so many things out there that um, will end up distracting you from your message. You know, because if you buy new gear, you're gonna have to learn how to use it, and it might be you know complicated because that's that's kind of the rule of thumb. Like the more professional the equipment, the more complicated it is. And you don't need that when you're first starting out. You just, you just need to concentrate on your message. 
So you mentioned editing because I, you know, it's an interesting point where you can use that iPhone four and get that audio, but then you have to marry them up. And I'm, I'm wondering if you could speak to the point of editing just a little bit on like what software you recommend and uh, for those on a budget and just, is it really easy to, to marry those, uh, to the video that you've created and the sound you've created? Um, I've seen online where some people are like, ah, oh, it's impossible. You spend so much time <laughs> trying to get them together. Okay. So yes, let me, um, uh, okay. So like no matter what software you you're using, even if it's like really terrible editing software, here's how you sync it up really fast. So when you start the, the recording on your video, um, and you start your recording on your audio device, oh, you want to, you just, you just simply make sure that they're both recording and then you clap really loud three times. Right. And then when you uh, bring them back together, you just simply line up. You're going to see like where those claps are. Um, you know, on the video, you'll see yourself clapping. And in the audio, um, you'll be able to hear those three claps and you can very quickly line them up. Now, some of the more advanced editing software will show like an audio waveform and you can visually line up, you know, those peaks in the waveform up with the clapping of your hands. And so, um, you know, I would recommend that. Um, you just hit record once, get one long video file, and hit record once on your audio device, and you get one long audio recording, and then that way you only have to sync up the one thing. You know, then you can chop it up, um, you know, later into smaller segments, but you only have to sync up once. That's uh, very helpful. The clapping, yeah, the uh, it's it's a great way to. Um, uh, do different segments, you know, also, you know, if you're uh, filming all at once and, and you just, um, you know, because it's easier to chunk things out, like you do your filming all at once and then uh, you have some collapse in between and that way, you know, where it's easier to kind of edit off right. podcasting the same way. Right. Um, and I guess, uh, you know, to answer the question, I guess a little bit more completely, um, cause I'm sure a lot of your listeners are interested to know what I actually use to edit with. Uh, I use Final Cut Pro 10. Uh, I'm currently using uh, the latest version. I would always recommend you use the latest version of Final Cut because uh, Apple doesn't make releases unless they're pretty solid. And um, the the advantage that that software has over everything else is just astronomically huge. And you might have heard from you know a lot of other channels and um, you know media outlets that Final Cut is not you know professional software, but um, that is the furthest thing from the truth. I mean, like, the, uh, it, what happened is that Apple released it um, nearly five years ago, and um, and the software was not quite ready for prime time. And uh, it, it's such a paradigm shift from the way that any other editing software works. There's no, for example, there's no video tracks, there's no audio tracks. Excuse me. There's uh, there's no bins. You know, like the tr- the traditional tenets of um, of editing simply are not there and so like it's very easy for professionals who uh who are already entrenched in their own way of working like have it's just very easy for them to dismiss it but i can guarantee um to all your listeners that there is nothing better for for uh juxtapositioning of sound and, and picture and just like uh it's it's the closest thing that we have as creative artists to uh the the um to the stream of consciousness type of editing, uh, you know, that, 
that that uh, you know true video artists and editors really aspire to there's nothing better than final cut pro and uh you know that's that's so the 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 best uh 300 bucks you can spend right yeah i mean like and and like there's a there's a lot of like folks that I've been speaking to lately, you know, who, um, who bought it like five years ago and then they've, they thought it was terrible, which it was, I mean, to be fair, like when it was first introduced, it was lacking a lot of features and everything and they kind of shelved it and everything. And I've talked to them recently and I'm like, you know what, um, let me just show you a couple things and I'm going to like, it's going to be like getting a $300 refund because you're going to all of a sudden be able to use this software that you paid for five years ago. And uh, it'll be like getting your money back because. But you know, is, isn't it really complicated to learn, like uh, you know, a steep learning curve and and all that? And, uh, yeah. uh, no. If 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 you've never edited anything before, then it's the easiest thing to learn to use. Really? Uh, yeah. If you, the problem comes in if you know how to edit already and like you're using old, the old paradigm. Um, because if you, like Adobe Premiere is like probably the the closest. Uh, competitor in the marketplace anyway um and adobe premiere um that's complicated (laughs) it's super complicated but you know like people have invested like a lot of time already to to learn how to use it and um and if you if you have taken that time of you and you've like conquered that learning curve then like nothing applies like you cannot take any of that knowledge and transfer it over to working inside final cut pro because nothing correlates right and then you're just like and then you're just frustrated you're just like ah this is this is terrible i can't use this and so that becomes a problem if you're trying to make that transition Uh, but if you approach it like this is not the same thing i'm learning something completely new then you have a good chance of being able to learn how to use it now for a hundred bucks you can get ScreenFlow. have you Oh, ScreenFlow is awesome. I love ScreenFlow. Yeah, yeah. it's um, uh, you know, for for like really quick one-off projects, that's fantastic. Uh, the problem with ScreenFlow is that it's very difficult to, to like say you edited something like in uh, January, and then um, you know, in July you want to start uh, pulling some elements from that edit you did in January. You know, now you're now you got a problem. You got to like go find that project and dig it up and and try to you know find like on your system where those elements are and then import it into a new project it, it becomes a little bit difficult um in final cut pro it's it's really like a it's it's also in addition to an editing system it's really it's really a very sophisticated library management system so i mean mm-hmm. um you can you can maintain like a living library of all of your work without taking any kind of hit in performance you know of having all that stuff open at once so Right. So, okay. So there's, there's the editing. Now, uh, a lot of people, you know, like, let's say they get, uh, some footage of themselves and they, they want some short clips, uh, like from the web. Um, and there's, there's this thing called free fair use, you know? (laughs) So (laughs) what kind of recommendations or advice can you give for those who want to take short clips from the web? but still kind of stay, stay as safe as they can with fair use with uh, voice or video clips. Okay. Um, yeah, the rule of thumb is like it, it needs to pertain to your particular message. So, um, you know, if you want to swipe a couple of clips off of YouTube, um, fair use means that it, you know, it has to be fair. And, and 
if you drill into that, it specifically means that it needs to be relevant to your topic of conversation. Um, you know, so if you're talking about, um, okay, let's say you're talking about like editing and, and like how to, how to maybe like create like a really impactful video blog, then it's fair use to take some excerpts from Casey Neistat's channel on YouTube and, you know, show a couple of uh, clips of how he used editing techniques, you know, so then that brings into question, well, how long can I like have it up on my screen? And the answer to that is, you know, you really want to limit it to just enough to make your point, you know? So if I'm talking about Casey Neistat uh, and his editing techniques, then I need to show like at least enough of his show to kind of give you a feel of his editing style. So maybe that's like 10, 15 seconds or something like that. Um, Whereas if it's, you know, if you're using it for like purely entertainment purposes and like maybe you want to punctuate something that you're talking about and using, you know, like maybe an Arnold Schwarzenegger quote, you know, like maybe I'm talking in my show about, you know, about, uh, you know, uh, working with, um, working with dialogue or, you know, editing a, a scene then I, then it's only really fair to use like maybe, you know, a five or, or, or 10 second clip from an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, you know, in which the dialogue, um, you know, emph- or, or illustrates the point I'm making. Right. And, uh, you know, so it, you have to kind of use your judgment on that. And, um, you know, as long as, you, as long as you feel like it meets those requirements, you know, you're, you're using it just to make your point and then you're out and you're back to, to your original content, then you're going to be fine. Right. And it's interesting because there's no guarantee with fair use. It's, it's all kind of loose. But what I understand also to add to that, at least, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, as long as you're not taking the core uh, of what the person has said, me- meaning the, um, let, let's say they have like a minute long video and, you take, you know, the the thing about that video and the rest is just fluff. And I, ah, right, it's right. it's it's taking the core and it's I, I guess it's hard to explain or maybe I'm not explaining it right. But basically, if you take um, the essence like uh, of what they're talking about, like you, you can make your point. But if it's too much of their video, then you can go get in trouble and it's hard to say what that too much is. <laughs> right. Right. No, that's a, that's a great point. And that's, that really pertains more to other, you know, um, independent YouTubers or, you know, um, vloggers or something. Um, like f- say for example, you're, you're talking about like you, you, you want to uh, share with people your, um, your famous recipe for, um, for a cheesesteak and you're, you've come up with this recipe on your own and everything, but then you, you take, um, I don't know, like let's say chef Michael Simon, you take like a video that he posted where he shares like, you know, the, the secret cheesesteak that made his restaurant famous. And you show, you show the part where he, he gives you his, you know, um, exact recipe. Yeah. His exact secret, like his exact, like, you know, it's all in the flip here and it's all, you know, you want to make sure that the cheese, hits the grill next to the don't just put the cheese on top of the steak make sure that you get the cheese on the grill so that gets all crispy like he just gave you like the the key ingredient to what makes his cheesesteak unique and now you've just shared that with all of you know 
all of your fandom as well, that's not fair. That's like, now you're taking it too far. Right. You know, you, right. That's, that's very important. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting and, and fair use, you know, cause I, I'm always fearful, but at the same time, it's like, there's so much out there that you can grab and that you should grab and, and really just say, Hey, look at this point, this person made it and boom, and you move on. And, and, um, and I, I think people are getting, uh, a lot more shut down and who knows with Trump <laughs> yeah. with, uh, with right. fair use. And so, uh, it, yeah. And nobody can advise on it. Even those that are, like, at least from what I've read, even those that are, quote-unquote, lawyers, they won't go there because there's so much um, gray area with it. But There is. Yeah. Right. I think the rule of thumb is just basically, you know, try to just use it as punctuation. Don't right. don't try to, like, use it as content creation. And then you'll be okay. Nice. So, I getting, you know, because creative habits, and I, I wanted to wrap kind of back around to some of your personal uh, habits that you rely upon t- when creating video, like when to get inspired uh, to create or, or to to talk on video. What what, what are some habits that you kind of um, uh, some go to habits or uh, advice you give on on habits? Okay. So, uh, yeah. Editing uh, in particular becomes something that I, I feel is easy to, to get into a rut with, you know. So um, if you were to, uh, like, show me the work of an editor that I know very well, I'd be able to to recognize it as their work, you know. And and likewise, like, a lot of people would, would be able to pluck out my work from other people's um, just because they, they would know my style. And that's something that, um, I mean, like as, as artists, we all want to have a style and it's not a bad thing to be able to, to create something that's recognizable. In fact, that's, that's probably a very good thing, but at the same time, we're, we, we should always be striving to, to, uh, to make new inroads into, into that creativity. So what I like to do is just I like to read as much stuff as I can get my hands on. And I don't mean, you know, like necessarily science fiction or, um, you know, self-help books or whatever. Like I try to read a variety. Of, excuse me. I like to read a variety of things uh, that that cover like topics that I probably normally wouldn't even look at. So, you know, like I'll um, I'll I'll be very cognizant of, you know, like if a friend of mine, you know, recommends a book, even if it's nothing that I would like ever want to read myself, um, I might pick it up and flip through it and just look for things, um, little tidbits of information that I haven't had before, because that's what creativity is. Like to, in my mind, Wyatt, I think creativity is really just the, the random connection in your head that you make between things that don't normally go together. And so, like, I'm just constantly trying to broaden my experience of things, and I force myself to to sample things and viewpoints that I normally would not be attracted to. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think that that really does create new connections in your head that can lead to creativity. Do you, Do you have an example of something you might be might have worked on recently where you've had that tie into, um, you know, your output or, or what you were creating? Yeah. So, okay. Um, I was, I was working on, 
Um, this was a project I was I was doing for um, for one of uh, our clients at Contrast Creative, and um, we had kind of gotten into this this rut of you know it, um, in corporate video, like a lot of times they'll give you photographs, and you have to come up with ways to to animate the photographs, you know. To, to make video out of it. And like the classic thing that you'll see is like what's called the Ken's, Ken Burns effect where you just kind of, you know, you take a photograph and you zoom in on it slowly or pan across it very slowly. And that's called the Ken Burns effect. But, you know, that gets a little tiresome after a while. So um, I was actually uh, looking through uh, a, uh, let me see if I can remember. Oh, motion, motion. Motion VFX is a Motion VFX is a website. It's a German website. Uh, they sell templates for After Effects and for Apple Motion and things like that. And I was I was actually looking through that, and I saw like this treatment that they had done for a um, a three D modeling software that they make. Um, totally unrelated to to what I was working on, but. Um, I saw that they had like done this camera spin and they were using this depth of field effect, um, you know, which kind of emulates like the way a real, a real world world camera would kind of focus on one thing, but drop everything else that's not in that focal plane out of focus and give it like this nice soft buttery kind of look to it. And I was like, well, why don't we just do I, I just said, why don't we just do that? Why don't I just take some of these photographs and put them in an artificial three-dimensional space and just kind of spin my camera around? Oh, cool. You know, and it was something that um, you would do for like maybe a, a different type of client, you know, but this client, was it's a financial institution. I, I probably can't really mention it. but No, right, yeah. But, um, you know, this is something that they would never have asked for themselves. Right. It's just they wouldn't have never thought of it, sure. Yeah, yeah, that's and, really uh, cool, though. Yeah, and I was just like, you know, in this particular application, this is something that would actually look really cool, you know, in, in context with what they're talking about. So uh, it makes me want to see it, you, you know, and it, it'd be great. <laughs> yeah, it'd be cool if you did a little tutorial on how to do that. <laughs> hey, that's a fantastic idea. Yeah, because that that's just because that's one thing I tell you, people want to use images, and it's really hard to to come up with creative ways to use them. Um, but, but that's, that's really, uh, creative. Yeah. That's cool. Um, nice. So, uh, okay, cool. Well, I, I, I don't want to keep you too long. So I, um, really appreciate you having on, on the show, Scott. It's been, you got some great uh, nuggets in here. And, uh, I, I was wondering if, if you could, you know, let listeners know where they can find you if you want to learn more and, and also where, where do you think you see video going, uh, in the future? Video in the future. Why I think is it's like word processing was in the eighties. I mean, I think it's just something that every single business person is going to have to learn, uh, how to work with, deal with, and, uh, you know, there's not going to be too many exceptions. I think that it's just going to become so much part of the business process that you won't be able to avoid it. Um, Right. Facebook live and all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at like how things have been ramping up, you know, like Periscope on Twitter and, and Facebook live and and Google spaces and things like that. uh, You know, I, I don't see how you could really, um, 
gain new customers without some kind of video outreach in the future. So, um, if people would like to get in touch with me, uh, they can uh, they can email me. Uh, my email address is scott at thevideocrush dot com. Uh, they can reach me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is teachvidscott. That's T E A C H V I D S C O T T. So that's my Twitter handle, and um, yeah, those are those are really the best ways to reach me right now. Uh, they can check out my website, thevideocrush.com. Um, and uh, if you go to thevideocrush.com slash gear guide, I've got like a nifty little uh, PDF that you can download that will allow you to um, kind of see the gear that I use. And a lot, you know, a lot of people ask me that, and I kind of have encapsulated it into this little document for you. And it, it has, uh, you know, just a warning. It has affiliate links to my Amazon account. So if you purchase uh, anything through that document, then I'll I'll get like a little a little bonus, but, um, you know, I would appreciate any, any little thing that you would uh, care to purchase through that. And yeah, um, you can also reach me, uh, through contrastcreative.com. Um, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. that's good. And we'll have, uh, you know, links in the show notes and we'll also have information about the guide to being comfortable on camera, which is a great guide. And so, you, you know, between that, it's a great way to get started. And, um, yeah, thank you very much, Scott. It's it's been great to have you, and I can't wait to to see uh, uh, some of your future videos. Um, and and if you, if you put together that tutorial, uh, um, uh, you know, let us know, and I'll put I'll put that in the show notes too. <laughs> oh, awesome! Yeah, I'll, I think that's a great idea. I would love to do that for you. All right, Wyatt. Hey, um, this has been phenomenal. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you, Scott. Hey, that's it for this week's podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. Remember, the show notes are at creativehabitspodcast.com slash scottm. And if you like the show, don't forget to share it with your friends. Uh, look forward to future episodes. We're continuing our journey uh, this year with the Creative Habits Podcast on Story. But we'll be uh, having some surprises along the way. I've actually been preparing a couple things. So look uh, for future episodes where I talk a little bit more about that. Remember, keep your creative habits intact and your beginner's mind alive.